Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Hey guys, Pastor Danny here. I am so glad that you're hanging out with us as we're wrapping up our series, The Runaway. And over the last six weeks, we've been looking at the story of Jonah. We've seen him in so many different capacities, but honestly, today we're going to see him in an even harsher light than we already have. Today, I want to talk to you about Jonah the Jaded. Jonah the Jaded. And Jonah had so many opportunities to embrace God's scandalous grace to the people of Nineveh. And as you heard over the last couple of weeks, Jonah delivers this message and, and the people of Nineveh, they turn their hearts back to God and they, they ask for forgiveness. And it should be this beautiful moment, but for Jonah, he's so frustrated. And at his core, Jonah understood that he had to decide between being compassionate or being jaded, being compassionate or, or hardening his heart. And the reality is that you and I have that same challenge in our lives today, whether it's in a serious situation, whether it's in a relationship, maybe for some of you, it's even with your sports team. As I was looking up this week, on January the 12th, 2017, the owner, he who shall not be named of the San Diego Chargers, announced that the team would be moving north to the city of L.A. And it was a devastating moment. You, you guys had a choice, a decision. Would you be jaded or would you be compassionate? Would you be jaded or would you be understanding? Would after all of these years of love and support and energy and passion and money poured into this team, would your love for them continue north up the five and just have this heart for the beloved Chargers? Or would you become jaded and abandon them for all of eternity? And I know many of you who are in both camps, you, you feel like, hey, this is our team. We're going to stay with them. And others of you are like, the who? Who are, who are they? I don't know who that team is. And I completely understand because for me growing up in New Orleans, the Saints were horrible. When I was a kid, I mean, they were awful. And so I decided like early on, like, I am not, that's not my team. I am not associating with them. I'm out. We even, like when Katrina hit New Orleans, we didn't even know if they were going to make it back to the city. Like, would they possibly go to Texas somewhere and just stay there? It was a mess. And so I had become jaded towards the Saints a long, long time ago. But something interesting happened. They started winning all of a sudden. They got really good. They actually won a Super Bowl. And I had the opportunity, would I soften my heart and have compassion to my hometown team, or would I remain jaded? And I just stayed jaded. I just, I just never went there. I just never, And it drives my family in New Orleans crazy. It's like, what, is, what do they have to do? And I'm like, I'm just out. I'm just out. And it's one thing to do that with our sports teams. But the reality is you and I, if we're not careful, we end up doing this in our real life with real people, real relationships, 
and real situations. Many of you may even find yourself there in that real relationship with God. It's easy to become jaded. And this is where we find Jonah. Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 5. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and he made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Like how ridiculously petty is this? Jonah, after watching the hearts of the leaders in this city, turn to God, ask for forgiveness. He's like, take all of these steps. Jonah goes, I want a front row seat to their demise. I am going to go out there and I'm going to pout like a little baby and angrily sit there in my little shelter just to watch what will happen to this city. But God wasn't done teaching Jonah. Verse 6, the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged, I just love how they just got arranged for a plant. God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. This, this cat's so dramatic. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. This part of the story is, is so important for us. Jonah exposes his dependence on the blessing rather than the blesser. Jonah, his heart was, was filled when the blessing showed up, but the moment that it was gone, all of a sudden, I just wish I could die. You see, you have to notice that when the blessing was removed, so was his peace. The moment that the blessing is gone, the moment that the ease is gone, so is the peace. And last night we were, we were telling our connect group about a time in Lauren and I when we first got married and we had this huge wedding and it wasn't our decision, it wasn't our idea it just happened to be where we were at the time, and I have a big family, and it ended up being this huge one. But one blessing from it is that we had a, a super awesome reception, and a lot of people gave us money to start our journey. And so we started out with like $5,000 in a savings account. And for us poor kids, we got married at 21 and 22, we we're like, yeah, that might as well be a million dollars. Like, we were just like, this is awesome. And so we, we stuck it in a savings account and it just became our little safety net. And over the first couple of years of our marriage, we would, we would brag about how, you know, we, we just have this peace. We have this peace and the Lord's favor just rests upon us. It's just amazing. It's, it's beautiful. We don't, we don't worry about things. We don't fight about things. It's, it's all good. Until one day, everything went crazy. And in this one little stretch of time, both of our cars had major mechanical issues. My, my vehicle at the time, the transmission went out on it. A medical bill came in that we were working through some stuff with Lauren's health journey. And then also around that same time, as Lauren is two weeks from finishing her senior year and her senior project, 
for her degree, her computer just said, I'm done, I'm out. All in the same period of time, and in one swoop, that safety net was gone. And all of a sudden, in this young marriage of ours that we've been so blessed and highly favored, we got to meet a really new friend called Anxiety and his brother called Stress. And all of a sudden, all this peace that we thought we had started to evaporate. It was just gone. And we're like, what is happening here? And what we realized as this was put to the test is that our peace came from our safety net, not from our Savior. The peace that was in our life was was caught up in the fact that we've got this little nest egg that's just chilling there in case we ever need it. But the moment it was gone and bills started coming in, all of that peace was gone because we got so caught up in the blessing that we forgot about the blesser. Our peace wasn't coming from God showing up and showing himself strong and and being faithful in our life. Our, Our peace came from the safety net. And the rest of our our marriage, the rest of our story was met with us having to to go, hey, God, it's time for you to show up. Hey, would you show yourself faithful in this situation? And guess what? He always does. He always did. And he always will. But for us, it became this consistent thing of evaluating where is our dependence actually? Is it depending on this job, depending on this person, depending on this finance, or is our dependence actually on God? Jonah reveals his dependence was actually on the blessing, not the blesser. But I also believe that Jonah was navigating through some some serious mental fatigue. Like, all of this story, it, it might as well be like this Instagram snapshot of this one season of Jonah's life. But to see his response, there had to be some like lead up to this that caused Jonah to respond the way that he did, to act the way that he did. I mean, all of all of these behaviors, the thoughts of suicide several times, his anger towards God, his like crazy idea that I'm going to run away from the presence of God. Right, his, his unwillingness to change his behavior. All of these lead me to believe that he was under some severe mental fatigue. And it's easy for us to, to like recognize physical fatigue. But it's so much deeper than that. Look at this truth on the screen. Some of our worst decisions in life come in seasons of fatigue. Some of your worst reactions, some of your worst decisions... Some of the worst times to try to navigate something is when you're in a moment of physical or mental, more importantly, fatigue. And there's different variations of fatigue. Maybe for some of you, it's decision fatigue. If one more person asks you to make a decision, you might just set everything around you on fire. Like, don't ask me to make one more decision. Hey, mommy, what's for dinner? Don't ask me that! right? Like you're, you're so fatigued by making decisions. And in those moments, you just try to solve a problem and it ends up leading down a path you never meant it to. For some of you, it's compassion fatigue. Maybe there's someone in your life that you just, you keep pouring out compassion on them and it just never feels like it's enough. 
It never feels like it. It just soothes that pain for them. And it's like, hey, I love you. I genuinely love you, but my compassion tank is completely depleted. I've got nothing left to give. Maybe for some of you, it's a generosity fatigue. Your kids keep making decisions and you keep bailing them out. Your family member keeps making decisions and you just keep handing over the credit card. Like your generosity is, is getting to a point that I'm not, I'm not a cheerful giver. I'm just really frustrated that you keep making these dumb decisions. Generosity fatigue. Maybe for some of you, it's an encouragement fatigue. You feel like you're just encouraging and affirming and confirming so many great things in people in your life, and it just never feels like it's connecting, that it's never helping them with their insecurity. And you're like, I, I can't tell you you're awesome any more times than I already have. Do you want me to just wake up in the morning and say, hey, guess what? You're still awesome today. Hey, guess what? You're awesome this afternoon. Like, I've got no more left to give. Some of you, maybe it's forgiveness fatigue. You're just like, listen, I have forgiven you for this same thing over and over and over and over again. At some point, your decision-making has to change. I have to trust that my forgiveness is being met by action, right? Like there, there are different levels and different kinds of fatigue. And so I believe Jonah is wrestling with these. Whatever he walked through before this snapshot of his life, he was fatigued. And God was, was trying to be loving. God was trying to show him compassion. But he, he got to a point where he's like, Jonah, it's time to check yourself. I have been patient, I have been faithful, I have been miraculous, and still somehow Jonah's heart has remained jaded and broken and unwilling to learn. I love how the story ends in the message translation in verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, what right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? And Jonah says, I have plenty of rights. It made me angry enough to die. Is this crazy? Verse 10, God says, what is, what is this? Are you crazy? What is this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted it nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This huge city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong not even to mention the animals that they have. God's like, what, what are you talking about? God, God challenges Jonah. And the first thing he says is, what right do you have? What right do you have to be angry about a tree? He calls him to the carpet. He says, how dare you get mad about this plant? You did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to grow it. You did nothing to water it, to care for it. You did nothing. It was a blessing that showed up in your life. And you're mad at me? And it's in our moment of fatigue that we get so overwhelmed with emotion that we get angry about stuff that it doesn't even make sense for us. 
to be angry about it. And we challenge God's direction in our lives and we, we nitpick the way that things come into my life. And, and why did this happen? But we, we've never done anything to deserve the good that comes in our lives. You and I haven't done enough good in our life to deserve the blessings that God pours on our life. But let him allow something hard to show up. And just like Jonah, we say, I have every right to question you. God, I have every right. This is, this is not what it should be. I deserve better than this. God, this is not fair. Have you ever said that to God? Have you ever had that moment? God, this is not fair. I don't deserve this. Look at the good that I've done. Look at, look at the person that I'm trying to be. God, I don't, I don't deserve this. And the truth is, anytime that we face pain in our life, it isn't fair. But the reality is we shouldn't be striving for fair. We shouldn't want the end result of our life to be, hey, and in the end it balanced out as fair. Fairness is fine on the playground at recess, but in real life, you and I should not want fair. Why? Because the truth is, fairness ended when Jesus took our place on a sinner's cross. Fairness ended when the Son of God, who lived a perfect life, who did no wrong, who faced every temptation that we face, but yet lived this perfect life, said, hey, I know you deserve to die for what you've done, but I'm going to take your place. I don't know about you, but fighting for fair sounds like a bad idea because it's not fair that the Son of God had to die for my sins and my foolishness and my brokenness and my unwillingness to not have a jaded heart, right? We shouldn't be fighting for fair. God continues to challenge Jonah. He, he says, you're more concerned about a tree than you are about people. You and I, we hear that and we're like, what? What a weirdo. Like, how could you... How could you care more about a tree than, than 120,000 people, 300,000 people, women and children and kids? Like, how could you care more about a tree, Jonah? You're the worst, Jonah. But as I was reading that, again, I felt like God challenged us. Maybe he would look at us and say, hey, you're more concerned about your beliefs than you are about loving people. Hey, hey, uh, by the way, while you're hating on Jonah and, and think Jonah's the worst, you're more concerned about being right than you are about actually showing people God's love. What? What, what do you mean? How about that Facebook post? How about that share on Twitter? How about that argument with your crazy aunt? Did you show a whole lot of love and care and concern and compassion? Or did you show a whole lot of, I'm right, you're wrong, I don't care how you feel. You just take it. It's easy to criticize Jonah over a tree, but when you, when you replace the word tree with some other words, hey, hey, I think you might be a little more concerned about your opinions than you are about people. 
you, you might be a little bit more concerned about what you deserve than about what God's already done for you. When you, when you start changing out the word a little bit, it, it doesn't seem like, oh, it's like, Jonah, I get it with the tree. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You, it was a beautiful tree, right? It changes things. You see, Jonah became more than just jaded. He became cynical. This is an important word for us as we, we get ready to, to close out this series. And when I looked it up, cynical means to only be concerned with your view on life and to be distrustful of human sincerity or integrity. And the reality is if you watch enough news, if you scroll enough on social media, it's real easy to become cynical. It's real easy to look around at the world and go, whew, there's a lot of dumb people, us included. It's easy to become cynical, but there's a huge problem. Look at this on the screen. Cynicism and criticism chokes out all hope. Becoming a cynical person, becoming someone who's constantly critical. The problem is becoming cynical is not rooted in your lack of concern. I think a lot of times people feel that way. Like a cynical person doesn't really care about the world around them. It's not true. The reality is it's rooted in the fact that you would rather, rather criticize something than actually have hope in it. Don't miss this. You would rather be cynical about your marriage because you're too afraid to have hope that God can rescue it. It's far easier to, to be cynical about your job, about your family, about your society, about the things that you're facing in your life than to be hopeful that God might use you to do something about it. It's far easier to become cynical, become critical, and be that person who can shoot holes in every single idea, every single thought. Every, it won't work. It's not going to happen. You find yourself in this place where it seems impossible to trust. If it was impossible to believe again, to hope again, and you, you've seen too much, you've experienced too much, you've faced too much, and all that fatigue, all that pain, all that baggage, you start to take it from the past and you project it onto the future, and you think to yourself, there's no way God can do anything about that. So it becomes easy to become jaded and cynical and critical. And before you know it, you find yourself sitting on the sidelines going, I can't wait to watch this city burn. Ouch. That's hard. It's hard to, to recognize the fact that we can be more like Jonah than we would care to admit. Last week, I had a really cool opportunity to go to this really um, small conference with an, a, a speaker there. I got to meet an author of a book that I've been reading. Um, he's written a couple books on navigating change, in particular through this COVID season. And he's been a brilliant author, and it's been transformative for me uh, to read his books. And I got to, to hang out in this room with like 100, 120 of us and actually get to meet him. And he was so brilliant. And he talks about two major leadership temptations. And you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You're a leader in your home, leader in your community, leader in your cul-de-sac. You're, you're a leader. You influence and impact people. 
He said there's two temptations. And the first one is that there's, a temp- there, there's this failure of nerve. This failure of nerve. And what happens is as the fatigue sets in, as you go through these challenging seasons, as a leader, when you have a failure of nerve, you actually begin, instead of leading the group of people you were called to lead, you find yourself right in the middle of them, colluding with them to keep things exactly the same way. And instead of leading the way that God wants you to lead, you just become comfortable with the people around you and say, let's just not change anything. Let's just go back to the way that it always was. Problem is, it's not working. That doesn't matter. We'll just stay here because it's comfortable and it's easier than trying to lead and navigate change. But the one that really stood out for me, and it's so important, it connects to Jonah, is that the second temptation is the failure of heart. The failure of heart. And he says that once you withstand the fatigue, once you survive the sabotage, because anytime you're trying to lead something in a new direction, someone somewhere is going to try to sabotage it because they don't want to see things changed, right? It feels like they're losing something. So once you withstand the fatigue, survive the sabotage of close people, you end up getting to the change that you hope to get people to, but you are so disconnected from the people that you become cynical. What what does that mean? What does that look like? Jonah had a failure of heart. Jonah had a failure of heart. He did what God asked him to do, but he was so disconnected from the people he was called to witness to that he was more concerned with a plant than he was about people. He had such a failure of heart. He was so disconnected that his heart broke for the loss of a shade tree, but he didn't even shed a tear for the potential death of men, women, and children in the city. That's, that's a massive failure of heart. How is that possible? Because Jonah changed his behavior, but he never opened his heart. He changed his behavior. He did what God wanted him to do, but he never experienced a change of heart. One of the telltale signs that our, our heart has not changed is, is how we respond when people push back on us. How we respond when someone goes, hey, are you okay? It feels like you've been a little, and we just, I, well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know, right? Have you been there? Have you experienced that? We, we have these warning signs. You see, Jonah was quick to defend his behavior because he had lost perspective. He'd become so cynical that in his mind, it made complete sense to fight for the loss of a tree rather than fight for the lives of thousands of people. That's what happens when there's a failure of heart. You disconnect from people and you become cynical. You see, the truth is that when we jump to defend ourselves, it's usually a sign that we stop learning. When we jump to defend ourselves, when someone goes, hey, I think this, and we jump to defend ourselves, we turn these off and we turn this up. Our defense of ourselves is to prove why we should feel the way that we feel. God says, what right do you have? He goes, I have every right. 
I like that plant. Are you crazy? God says, what is this? What it was, was a heart that had failed. A love that had never taken root. A grace that never connected. Jonah defends himself and stop learning from God. When we stop learning, we stop growing. When we stop growing, we stop caring. And what's heartbreaking about this story is that this is the end. There's no fairy tale ending. There's no rainbows and pots of gold at the end. There's no story about how Jonah's heart then flourished with love for the people of Nineveh. We're just left with this question of God going, what is this? Shouldn't I be able to change my heart when they respond back to me? Should I not be able to give them grace and love and compassion? What we're left with is this massive warning to all of us about what happens when we choose cynicism over compassion. When we become Jonah the jaded rather than Jonah, the one who loves. And the challenge for us is not to allow that to happen in our hearts. I want to leave you with, with one last truth. In his book, Didn't See It Coming, Carrie Newhoff, a, a famous author and speaker, he says this, curiosity is the discipline that kills cynicism and keeps hope alive. Curiosity kills cynicism. The ability to stop talking, the ability to stop doling out advice and start asking more questions, to open our hearts to learn from God in a brand new season. Instead of being angry with God when he shows love to people, it doesn't make sense. To choose to open our hearts to God and go, Help me understand, God, why do you love them? What is it that I'm missing? Curiosity kills cynicism. And as we head into Easter week, as we begin to reflect on the cross, as we begin to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the hope of our eternity, as we begin to invite people to come with us to church next week, we have to ask ourselves, we have to raise our curiosity. And I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. The first one is so simple. How's my soul? How's my soul? I like it's easy to feel fatigue in our body. It's easy to know, like, if I sit down for too long, I'm never getting back up. But what about your soul? How's your heart towards people? When you hear a story that should break your heart, is it numb? When it comes to that person in your life that you're fatigued from pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, how does, how's your heart doing with that? How's your soul? Another question is, am I leaning more towards compassion or leaning more towards cynicism in this season of my life? Am I becoming more compassionate, more loving, more like Jesus? Or am I becoming more cynical and more critical and more questioning and more jaded 
to the world around me? And the last question is, am I depending on the blessing or the blesser? A challenge for us as we go into this Easter week that can be so familiar for so many of you. Find ways to raise your curiosity and battle and kill the cynicism that wants to take root in your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the story of Jonah has been so challenging, enlightening. It's been a story over the years that I'm sure many of us have been able to judge and point fingers at, but as we look at ourselves in the mirror and recognize how often we can act just like Jonah. God, would you just reveal those areas of our heart where we've actually had a failure of heart, we've had a failure of nerve, that we've, we've become more cynical than we have been compassionate, that we've leaned more into depending on the blessing rather than the blesser. God, would you reveal to us those areas of our heart and our lives? As we go through this Easter week, as we prepare to celebrate the most incredible day in the history of mankind. Would you allow us to evaluate our hearts as David prayed, search my heart, O Lord, God, and know me, know my ways. God, help us to find ourselves in you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.